Camp Truth. Hey guys, this is Field of Vapor. Hey folks, this is Pete Bissardo. Hey guys, this is Ruby Roo, and you're listening to Smoke Free Radio. Another edition of Smoke Free Radio right here on the VP Live Network. Programming note for all of you that tuned in last night to listen to Russ and ClickBang Radio. Uh, as Russ is known, five minutes before the show, he made an announcement that he could not perform his duties as a proper podcast host last night. But he will be doing his show this Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Right here on the VP Live Network. And I know a lot, a lot of you were tuning in to hear his big banging episode. Everybody's wondering what's going on, uh, as am I. So I guess we're going to have to tune in Friday, 9 p.m. to listen to Mr. Russ with ClickBang Radio. What do we have on tap today? Obviously, we're going to be talking about the California fiasco. Uh, In a few minutes, Jamie is going to be joining us with the newly formed Massachusetts Smoke Free Association. Uh, and then we're going to have a special guest on all the way from the UK, uh, part of the new Nicotine Alliance. We're going to be talking about the new report that was released today from National Health and England, talking about how less harmful e-cigarettes are. Imagine that. <laughs> Something we've been saying for the last six, seven years. Hello. <laughs> Let me go ahead and bring my co-host on. She did not. Uh, she was not able to join us last week. But she is here today. Again, from across the pond for now, soon to be here in the United States. M, what's up, M? If you answer, 
I can bring you on. What's up? Hello, how are you? I'm doing good. I can't complain. Uh, my blood pressure is a little bit up after the California hearing, but other than that, uh, that's something, uh, you know, standard, I guess, now in my yeah, life. Yeah, you're getting used to it. Uh, what's going on with you? Um, not a whole heck of a lot. Just rejoicing in the whole Public Health England announcement today. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, the, the the best tweet today by Greg Conley was this little gif uh, of, uh, or GIF. Oh, is no. it gif or is it gif? I don't know, uh, one of the two. Uh, of these two uh, preachers are walking like across, you know, and, and they're like uh, celebrating. And uh, and his uh, head, headline was, uh, advocates today, uh, you know, celebrating after the news of the of the uh, report. Uh, but you were wanted in three countries, I heard, in the UK. I heard you got, uh, you had a little uh, <laughs> run in at Vape Fest over there. So are you trying to leave an impression before you leave the country, or are you just trying to expedite your, your departure from <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that it was going to result in early deportation, but <laughs> that didn't come true. No, it was it was stupid. I was there for like a whole 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. Um, you know, in this Haters world, gonna hate. yeah, in this world, especially in the vaping community, that's just the, that's just the way it is. Uh, I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, if the TPD continues, we're not going to have a vape fest next year anyway. So nope. that's a little bummer, uh, unfortunate, uh, especially after today's news. Before we get to all that, uh, I have to talk about the California special sessions hearing. Basically, special sessions. Let me just translate what special sessions mean. That a bill was not able to pass through in its original intent, and uh, this is a back channeling of passing a bill that makes absolutely no sense in the state of California. And and I saw the testimonies today. Uh, a lot of people from the community, a lot of uh, vendors represented there. Uh, went to the hearing and and voiced their objection to this bill. One thing that really bothers me about Senator Leno is what he keeps reaffirming because he knows that all these people that are showing up at these hearings are small businesses. You're not going to see big tobacco companies go over there and you know and, and fight for this because it doesn't make really make a difference whether they classify tobacco or not is irrelevant to big tobacco. But he knows that everybody that's fighting against this bill is a small business. He keeps saying that this is not going to affect the businesses, which is utter bullshit. Um, the moment that you classify in a state electronic cigarettes as tobacco, you're basically saying that this product is just as harmful as cigarettes. Uh, and obviously, it is going to affect. Now, I mean, aside from the distribution issues that they're going to have, the licensing agreements, uh, everything is geared towards money and all the money that, that, that he's, you know, his contributions are coming from. But ultimately, once you classify water as an alcoholic beverage, it's going to have the same effect as vodka. You're not going to be it's, – it's going to have a, a huge effect on these small businesses. And obviously, uh, the, the only ones that stand to profit from these are the big, big corporations, the big tobacco companies. Yeah. Let me, it's a um, shame what's going on over there still. It, it is a shame. Let me play one of these questions that was asked here. I've got it queued up already. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. This is a question Thank to you, Leno. Uh, Senator Money. Question. Thank you, uh, Mr. Chair. Ch uh, question for the author. A couple of questions. Um, is there proof that the products being marketed to children under the names of Juicy Fruit and Gummy Bears, do those contain nicotine? Uh, again, I can't tell you what's in it. I, we know there's formaldehyde in well, From studies, we know. We know. Okay. How? Before I continue this, I mean... When you have a serious politician, okay, he's been elected to the state, and when he tells you that there's formaldehyde in the bottles, I, I mean, do you bottle formaldehyde? I mean, it's like saying, you know, here's a bottle of my fart. <laughs> I 
just wrote it in a bottle for you. You can have it, and you can use it. And it makes absolutely no. It means completely utter bullshit at that moment right there. You know, I felt watching this hearing, and and I think a lot of the vaping industry felt as an innocent man getting ready to be convicted uh, to to the death penalty uh, after I have not committed a crime. This is exactly how I felt watching this whole thing transpire today. Listen to the rest of it. That there are a variety of chemicals, uh, but again, because it is unregulated, we can't be sure what's in it. So there's currently no prohibition against including nicotine in e-cigarettes that are marketed to children. No e-cigarettes can legally be sold to children, but we do know for fact, as you've heard from the testimony, uh, all the children's flavors, they are being marketed to children. Okay, so if, 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 okay, after I saw today, you know, the Capri Sun juice, which, which you know, uh-huh. I, I thought I've seen it all in this, you know, I thought I've seen, like, you've pretty much exhausted every copyright infringement that you could and every child marketing <laughs> perception that you could. Today, I saw e-liquid that is being sold in a Capri Sun pouch. Okay, I can't wait for this one to show up at a hearing and have one of these politicians raise a Capri Sun pouch and that. Okay, that was stupid. But since you can't sell them to e he said it himself. You can't sell e to minors. How are you marketing to them? Okay, I've been vocal about this marketing over the past year, and it, it bothers me to see some of this packaging that's blatantly you know, has the perception that it's marketing to kids. But here you have the author of the bill telling you that legally – Kids can't buy them. So where does, where does the marketing go? It, 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 it makes absolutely no sense. It's so, so frustrating. And no one is suggesting that they are nicotine-free. If your bill becomes law and e-cigarettes are controlled as a tobacco product, is there anything in your bill that would prevent an adult who seeks to use an e-cigarette to, end, to be an aid in ceasing use of uh, combustible smoking products from using an Absolutely e-device? Not. Absolutely not. This is about protecting children. All the people here who <laughs> claim that their lives have been saved from e-cigarettes, I'm not arguing with them. Bless their hearts. I'm glad that they're not smoking traditional cigarettes. Hearts. But <laughs> they are still, in most cases, getting a nicotine addiction fixed, but through vaping rather than smoking. But this bill will not touch them one bit. And it there's nothing in this bill that would close the businesses selling those products to adults. No, and that's not just my suggestion or conjecture. Gestion or conjecture. Over half of the population of the state of California is living with this kind of regulation at the local level, and the industry is growing exponentially every year. Yeah, well, that's because the numbers, <laughs> according to the reports that we saw today, Meg, the numbers suggest that people are quitting combustible tobacco. Of course it's going to be growing exponentially. People are discovering, hey, yes. I can enjoy smoking without dying. This is exactly what is going on. And it, 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 it's so frustrating because you just want to reach through. I mean, I was watching this live, and I just wanted to reach through the monitor and just choke him. But I think that is the reaction of a, a lot of us. And I think in California it has hurt us, Em. I think I think, so I think this 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 launch of uh, you know, this this offense that we have launched has it's just made him take it personally. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but he has an agenda against the industry right now. And oh, yeah, uh, most in, in most cases and in most states, laws are made by building relationships. Period. 
You make relationships with the people that are about to regulate your product. You try to explain your product, and you try to walk in there and make discuss the the objective before the bill even makes it to the floor. And I think in California, we missed the boat. So everybody went to a reactive instead of a proactive stance. And that reactive stance turned to be so much anger. And I can't blame vapors. I mean, I can blame the industry a little bit. We have to be a little bit more professional. But I can't blame the vapors. The vapors that, that are so passionate, I can't blame their anger. But it got to that point. We got to that point. And, and Leno's pissed. Uh, let me play a little bit from his closing testimony here. I appreciate all the time. I appreciate the good questioning. I think that there is every opportunity for our support of this bill to see it become law and for the fears that have been whipped up into many who are here today uh, to realize that they will not be realized, that their businesses will not be impacted. By the way, he dodged every question that the panel threw at him. I mean, they asked him about zero nick. He dodged it. He they asked him about the FDA. He dodged it. Uh, he used enjoy test uh, the enjoy case, uh, the Soterra case uh, against the FDA, where he claimed that enjoy said we're a tobacco product, we're not a pharmaceutical product, and that was not the case. Enjoy said that you cannot regulate us under pharmaceutical because we're not a quit smoking aid, we're not a cessation aid, and the judge said that. FDA might have the jurisdiction under tobacco. So again, lies, lies, I mean, lie after lie after lie. Nothing of what he was asked was answered definitely or with facts, okay? I mean, an entire testimony Do you think that they're going to notice that, though, that he dodged those questions? Um, who, the panel? Yeah. The panel, I think, is divided. I think he's trying to gain, you know, the, enough votes to pass this thing, and he'll pass it. I think that's, that's what he's trying to do. There's going to be people on there that, that are reasonable and sensible. They're going to see that hey, maybe we should wait for the FDA to regulate this product before we make a decision in our state. Um, yeah. But but he's trying to sway some of the people that haven't made Employees will not up be their cut mind. back. Their ability to access e-cigarette products will not be harmed or challenged in one way. Uh, most people didn't identify themselves uh, at public comment, but a number of people said they were from Southern California. I can tell you that among California cities that already have these regulations in place at the local level include... Santa Monica, Long Beach, blah, Los blah, Angeles, blah. San Diego, Temecula, Riverside, Palmdale. We also heard High Desert. So that encompasses a lot of Southern California. I would imagine many of the people who are here today already have these laws at the local level, and their business is not impacted. Their ability to use their e-cigarette products have not been impacted. So, again, I yeah. Why, why don't you let the why don't you let the local municipalities then pass the laws? Why are you trying to pass a state law at this stage of the game uh, with the FDA announcing that it has deeming regulations in the pipeline? Uh, and, you know, the fact that the FDA has taken so long, to me, is a good sign. I don't think that's a bad sign. I would think so. Right? Uh, I would think so. It's got to be in cahoots with other countries, too. And obviously, with, you know, with what's going on over here in the U.K. and with what's just happened today with the PHE release, the FDA has got to take that into, into account, don't they? I mean, you would think so. I mean, I don't know if they're going to take an account because they're doing their own studies, uh, and they've they've launched this path study that that is going on into various universities uh, across the United States. But at least they're trying to get the information before they make a deeming rule, and I don't think that's a bad thing for us. Okay, um, no. But, but in any case, this complete this is a complete fiasco in the state of California, 
and, and now we're trying to play catch up with a guy that clearly has an agenda. My biggest question is, uh, out of this entire thing, how did this motherfucker get elected? How did this person? How is this person in office in the state of California? That's what blows my mind. And and if anything, what I would suggest is start now some grassroots work to vote him out of office. Now, now start some grassroots efforts in California to get this guy and show the power of vapors uh, in California, one of the biggest states in vaping here in the United States. Uh, obviously, one of the largest uh, population of vapors and businesses that have spurred into the e-cig industry. So uh, the whole thing is available on YouTube somewhere. I think uh, search SBX25 uh, and you can hear the whole thing. It is it was it is uh, really frustrating. This is something that was anticipated that is going to go through. So don't be surprised. But uh, the real fight has just started. We still have to go through committee. And uh, and uh, now is the battle. Uh, the battle is going to start uh, beginning now. Uh, all right. That's what I had for California. Uh, don't be reactive. In any state, be proactive. We're going to talk about this here with our next guest. The telephone lines are open, 347-308-8329. Press 1 when you hear the British lady. Or you can tweet me and M at Vaping Greek, hashtag Smoke Free Radio. Uh, big news out of Massachusetts. Let me go ahead and bring uh, my guest here to do all this stuff i miss him because he was my technical producer on my last show and he used to do uh all this stuff for me jamie richard add to call oops did i get him yeah i got him hello 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 hey jamie what's going on buddy how you doing d been a long time. It has been. I looked at the I looked at the uh, Skype because I had to find you. I wanted to bring you up on my list. And the last message uh, that I had sent you was actually our closing statement when we when we shut down the vape team show. I, I think that's that was a little bit sentimental to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we, we we've been talking on text and Facebook and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, obviously, and I, and I, and I've been up there to visit you guys, but uh, it was just just a little bit emotional. But uh, we're talking about state associations and congratulations. And what I believe is just a, a, a amazing short time uh, for a state to get organized as you did, because I've, I've helped various states that have reached out to me to form a smoke-free association. You guys in Massachusetts, man, you you called a meeting, and in and, and, and a short two, three weeks, you had everything uh, getting ready to go. Before we get to that, how did it all come by to for you guys? You own a, a New England vaping company uh, uh, up there in Unit, uh, Newton, right? right Watertown. Watertown. Westside Boston. Yeah. So how did it come about you and the, the rest of the vendors uh, wanting to get uh, this thing organized? Well, we had a, a, a scare a few months ago with the attorney general in Massachusetts putting together uh, a hearing because they, they were attempting to pass consumer protection regulations outside of the normal legal process. Um, and being Massachusetts, one of the most liberal states in the union, along with California, mm -hmm. they, uh, the attorney general here in our state actually has the power to do that. Um, and at that point, we actually, me and a, a group of other vendors actually started a Safada chapter. Uh -huh. And uh, we got through that, and then it was a month, maybe 60 days, and nothing happened. You know, we'd have meetings and nothing would happen, and I decided that uh, I needed your help. Okay. <laughs> so I put together a, a, a meeting, I invited you up. Um, got a couple of my other vendors who happen to be my friends here in the state, including Jay DeLuco from uh, Hingham Hill, uh, otherwise known as Upstomp. 
and a few others, uh, Joel from Voltage Vapor, and I called every vape store I could, and emailed every vape store I could find and tried to get them into the same room uh, as you, me, and the people that uh, I knew. And it was um, a good turnout. I mean, because yeah. I mean, there's not that many state, uh, vendors in that state anyway, right? So, I mean, in uh, my yeah, opinion, it was Massachusetts a is a completely undersaturated market. Uh, we probably have 70 vape stores, so our market is slated to expand dramatically as long as regulation doesn't you know, come in and choke us out. So, uh, okay, so you, so you, you reach out to these vendors and, and they show up because yeah. there's a little bit of confusion there, and I just want to clarify, and I, I talked about this last week as well too, but I just want to clarify because there is a, an assumption by a few people out there that I kind of came to your state to launch an association, which <laughs> is not absolutely true. I have better things to do on a Sunday uh, with my family, but uh, you guys reached out to me uh, and basically wanted to follow the model that we've launched here in Tennessee. Yeah, um, well, I'd seen the great success you'd had with Tennessee Smoke Free and the recent launches of Florida and Georgia Smoke Free um, and how you'd been leveraging Vista to actually get government relations support. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I was very impressed with what you'd done in such, I, I mean, uh, you, you guys have had great successes down there in mm-hmm. Tennessee, and it looks like Georgia and Florida are going very well yeah. as well with, you know, nothing's really happening down there. Uh, but around you, it seems like a freaking minefield. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and we're, like, working, we're working hard with those states as well, too. But anyway, continue. So uh, I think we had the meeting uh, at the end of June. I think it was the last Sunday in June. Mm-hmm. Um, probably had about 14, 13 or 14 different vendors in the room. You gave your pitch, and, and you're, you, you, told, you basically sat down with a PowerPoint and said, this is how I did it. You don't have to do it this way, but if you want to use this as a framework, go for it. And it made a lot of sense. You did a great job presenting the case and presenting exactly what you did. And that's what we needed. We needed someone to come in and say, this is how we did it. Follow this template, and you will have a very good chance of success. And I think one of the things that you guys, I think, really took to, and one thing that I try to promote through these associations is – you got vapors involved, passionate vapors. I know Demetra yes. Shelton was there. I mean, she's yep. a key, key vapor in the state. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think uh, Petey was there. I don't remember his last name. But yep. you, you got vapors. And that's what a smoke-free smoke, that's what a smoke free association, it reaches out to the vapors that would say, yeah. and how many times they say to me, I want to help. I want to do more. You know, I follow the Casal cost. I want to do more. And you brought them in, and I think they were a key uh, part in, in, in getting this thing launched. Yep. Um, yeah, Demetra has, is, is the chairman of our board, and she has been absolutely indispensable in keeping me sane and helping out with a lot of the administrivia and reaching out to – uh, different vendors and different people um, and managing the board members. So that has been great. But uh, over the last month, we've we've incorporated within the state of Massachusetts. We've basically, since the meeting in June till today, we've incorporated, we've uh, got together enough money from, I think, 14 different vendors um, to be a seed fund to basically pay Vista for the first two months of the lobbyist. Um, we probably had to vet through Vista three or four different lobbying firms. And uh, two weeks ago, we had a meeting with an amazing lobbying firm in Boston. Uh, great team of people, uh, you know, years of experience, great uh, existing client list. Um, and they were just really excited to be jumping into a new industry where there's a lot of new challenges. Um, how, how important and, was it for you guys to, to make sure you feel comfortable with the person that's going to represent you? 
How hard? How, or, how, how important was it? I mean, the people, oh, yeah, the, the lobbyist that's going to represent you, you want to have that connection with him. You want to feel comfortable with him, right? Yeah, insanely important. Um, we, we, uh, when we were both, uh, well, I've got a personal story that isn't related to the organization, but back when we were trying to start the Safada chapter, a lobbyist was recommended to us, and we met with him, and uh, we, after sitting through the meeting, I just didn't feel comfortable with this person representing us. I didn't believe that he uh, he didn't lay it out you know if i go to someone for help i want them to lay out exactly what are you going to do exactly what in your past experience has been relevant to what we're going through right now um and all the tactics and the the new lobbying firm that we just brought on did that the the lobbying firms i'd ha uh, worked with in the past in the state didn't do that so i was really happy to find someone who sat us down in a meeting said you know these are the parallels we've seen recently with these other organizations that we've represented you know, that rep, you know, representative heck is a great guy and you need to do this to get in touch with him and, and, and really appeal to him. And he basically went, they basically went through and said, showed that they know the political climate in the state. Mm -hmm. They know the political, the, the political, the members of, of this, of the house Senate and the, and, and the house of representatives. Uh, and, and they have the experience to, to bring us to the finish line and actually get what we need passed in the, in the state house Fantastic. that and when we sat down with them we knew that and pretty much we i think we had a group of of four different vendors go into the meeting and none of them came out with any concerns so yeah that, that is good so now we get into the process of of getting to this lobbyist with vista i mean how painful how less painful was it, it was the assistance that vista gave you uh, Kevin Skipper is an amazing person, um, and the guys over Jamie and uh, and what, what's the other guy's name over at Capital Access? Uh, Jamie uh, Miller. Jamie Miller, yeah, yeah. Jamie Miller at Capital Access was great. Um, they they listened to what you know they 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 vetted must have vetted three or four different for firms before they came up to the one that we actually ended up picking, um, but completely painless. Kevin sat in in all the meetings and held our hand. Um, it was it was a great experience to work with them and. Uh, a, lo a lot of people have said, you can just go find a lobbyist yourself. You, you don't need to, you know, use Vista or someone else. But uh, you, you don't want to be paying fees to Vista to do this. And it's not you're paying a fee to Vista. They're completely 100% pass-through nonprofit. It's that you're paying capital access for something. Right. And capital access charges a very reasonable fee to do that vetting process, to, to coach the lobbyists, to help with the education, to do all of the things that all of us as business owners and and busy people don't have time to do. And the reasonable fee that they charge is completely worth it to me. And f from what I've seen so far, they've been doing a great job at and it. And it really isn't that much because we pay the same thing here in Tennessee and in Georgia and the other states that are using Vista as their lobby group. Uh, you know, we always talk about the negative in the community. We always talk about the people that are not doing the right thing. But I think <laughs> we, we need to praise the ones that are doing the right thing. So briefly, quickly, tell me the people that got involved, the, the vendors in the state that got involved to make this thing happen. Um, yeah, we had Beantown Vapor. They make ultra premium mod grease is their motto. They are a e-liquid manufacturer based out of Massachusetts. Uh, Cold Fusion Juice, great guys. I great met guys. them over at uh, VCCNE. Yes. Um, Hingham Hill, small batch e-liquid, which is Jay DeLuca, uh, otherwise known as Upstomp. Um, and he's friends with that Stanley guy. Mm -hmm. He's pretty cool. Um, my company, of course, New England Vaping Company. Uh, Safer Vapors, which is a retail shop based out of Webster. True Cloud Vape Shop, they are a vape shop based out of Danvers, and they also make some pretty darn cool mods. Um, vape Cod, which is a chain of two different stores in Hyannis and Falmouth out on the Cape. 
um, Vape Daddies. Uh, they are a three-store chain right now. They will be four in the next few weeks. Uh, they're expanding like crazy, and their co-owner is our president, uh, Stacy. Um, Vape Depot with Dan Viola, who uh, keeps saying he doesn't do enough, but he's a, he's a great cheerleader and excellent at talking to other vendors and other retailers. Uh, Vapor Us, which is two stores out of Everett and Malden, great guys. Uh, Voltage Vape, which is a store out of Springfield, um, Central Mass. Uh, Joel is, a, is an amazing guy, and I believe he's opening a store in Connecticut. And uh, Worcester Vapor with Society. Uh, she is a, a great woman, and I believe she just got back from her honeymoon. So we'll be seeing her again soon. Nice. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good crew, and we've got our membership drive going on now. We've got a team of vape store owners going out tomorrow to hit as many stores as possible. And, you know, we've got our, we've got our, our, our printed documentation, our state of the industry in the state. Uh, website launch today. Well, that's so a sexy website, by the way. I just want to put it out there. I, I'm uh, really yeah, jealous uh, of it. I want to copy it for the Tennessee Smoke Free Association. <laughs> Smokefreema.org. Smokefreema.org. And it's funny because I posted it today and immediately somebody uh, responded to it below saying, oh, I didn't know this was launched. Now that you have the website up, it's easier to get a little bit more traction on social media. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and, and try to increase your membership. I mean, strength in numbers kind of game. Um, Hell yeah. Now that you're organized, now that you have the lobbyists, now that you have everything ready to go, have you seen more of a reaction from the community and from the vendors in the state? Uh, well, it's been six hours, so I guess we'll see. Okay. Uh, day one uh, of actually having the website launched, but we've had some interest. Um, but you guys are our hashtag lead by example. Yes. Uh, that's the TSFA tagline, and we use it too. But uh, we're, we're going with uh, vape, uh, hashtag vape local, fight local. That's good. I might Support- steal that back. Yep, support your local vape shops, fight for Abiski, and tobacco harm reduction in Massachusetts. Absolutely. And how can people contact you? Accept the website? Is there a, 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 do you have a board email or somebody that they should talk to specifically? Yeah, info at smokefreema.org um, or facebook.com slash smokefreema is our page. Fantastic. I'm so proud of you, Jamie. Uh, not only uh, with, with what you've done with your business, yeah. but, but stepping up because it takes people to step up. Along with the rest of the crew over there, and I have to put a shout out to to, to Dimitra. She she is just an amazing person. Yeah, Dimitra is the chairman of our board, and she has been she's a project manager by trade, so she has been absolutely essential in keeping us on track and running our meetings and taking notes. I couldn't do it without her. Uh, Stacy, who is the co-owner of Vape Daddies, is our president. Absolutely great. Jay uh, Upstomper from Hingham Hill is our VP. Um, I'm, I'm not the prez. I'm the secretary and the technical advisor. Mm-hmm. So I've got a technical title behind me again. <laughs> you do the technical <laughs> a little work while. so good. I yeah. miss you over here. Trust me when I yeah. have to push all these buttons. <laughs> yeah, and Eric Tarvin is uh, from VapeCod, and he's our treasurer. So we've got a great group of people, and we've got a few more people on the board that help to make the decisions. Um, but that, that's in flux right now, so we're still working on that. Fantastic. Anything else that you want to add, Jamie, before I let you go? i got a lot to get to. I know you do, man. I can't... Uh, uh, geez, Leno, man, yeah, can't can't win over there in California. Uh, it's been too long. Uh, we should I should definitely come on on the show as color at some yes, point. It's yes, it's been way yes, too long, man. Yes, well, it's it's uh, the bad thing is that so many bad news to report every week. I haven't had time to do a fun show, but you'll be first on my list when <laughs> I do have the time to do that. Yeah, I uh, hope everything's going well over at MOV and yeah. at TSFA. You have a great night, D. Thanks, Jamie. Have a great night. There he goes, everybody. Jamie Richard with a smoke free massachusetts chapter they've done a great job over there getting organized in a a very very short time in my opinion 
uh, these guys really stepped up. And I was really amazed because we're working with Virginia. Virginia wants to launch their association, M, and it's been a struggle. And and talking to the guys, Steve Teague and Jay Taylor and the people that are trying to, to get Virginia organized, they've just it's, – it's hard for them to, to, to get these vendors on board. And, and I always try to recommend – I was like – just fuck them. Just, just launch. Just go for it. You know, whatever you have. You have 10 members, 15 members. Start something and get it started, and then the rest of them will follow, just as, as we've seen in other states as well, too. Yeah. But but these guys, within two months, had uh, organized, incorporated, and, and represented by a lobby. I mean, to me, that's pretty amazing. That is. It is really good. I think that's one of the things that's a big deal, especially over here in the U.K., is trying to get other vendors to follow. Is they want to see action before they'll actually join it. And that was that's one of the issues that we've had over here with the smaller, um, I think it's called the uh, Viri group, which was supposed to be um, like a smaller version of Aceta. Yeah. It never really took off. And I think a lot of that is down to the fact, you know, there wasn't a lot of action behind there it. Is, you know, so, so it's really good to see that they moved that quick to get it going. Th- there is there is some distrust. And, and, and how can it be not be in this community? We've seen so much bad in the past, right? So, I mean, I've heard that in Texas as well, too. I've heard of vendors that are calling up the Svada chapter and asking, well, well, how did you pick the lobbyist? And what are you doing here? And who all's in? Who's put some money? I'm like, shut up. You know, just join the effort, you know? Just join in there and throw a couple thousand dollars and try to save your business. I mean, you sit there and dissect it. I mean, a lot of it sometimes is an excuse not for them to give money. That's what it boils down to. If you're sitting there and overanalyzing everything, you're never going to get anything done. You just have to step up, and, and, and we've seen examples of that in, in other associations where you have a huge board, a 15-member board, and you're trying to make a decision. It's never going to happen. You know, Somebody nope. has to step up and say, okay, we're going to take care of it. And, uh, and, and, and in my opinion, what they did over there in Massachusetts should be the model for every state right now. Look what's happening in California. Get proactive. Build relationships with your politicians. Build relationships with the legislators that are making law that are going to fix your business before the law is even on the floor, before we start chasing after them and trying to 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 heal the wounds. We need to prevent them before they happen. Mm-hmm. I talked to somebody today about the FDA. Somebody called me this morning and was asking me about the FDA, and I said, why are you worrying about the FDA? The FDA is they're not even close to even dropping the rule out. You know, if these states continue to do what they do, you're not going to have to worry about the FDA. The distribution no, will be done. Take care of it. It's going to be done. Yeah. So uh, just just pay attention in your states. Please get organized. Whatever you decide to do, do something to represent the industry. All right. Moving on to some breaking news. The phone lines are open, by the way, 347-308-8329. Press 1. And on Twitter, at Vaping Greek. Hashtag Smoke Free Radio. Big news today, M, from your side yes. of the pond. So fill us in. Uh, Public Health England, which is kind of like the United States' Department of Health, has released a, I guess, a really big study, and it's called E-Cigarettes, an Evidence Update, a report commissioned by Public Health England. And the biggest headline that's come out of this is that they are stating as a fact that electronic cigarettes are 95% less harmful than traditional cigarettes. This was not the, up that to, was the big, he- that was is, the big headline, they right? are. Massive headline over yeah. here. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and the other one too, and I'm going to let Lorian talk about this when she was on, is uh, it's actually been represented in the media as being a, um, e-cigs are going to be available on prescription on the NHS, which is our national health um, insurance program over here. Yeah. And that's not what the report was about. 
And, was, and Lorian definitely wants to talk I'm, about I'm that. I'm pissed about that because a lot of the tabloids there and a lot of the, the, the you know the shock newspapers took that and made it their headline. Like, yep, oh, okay, now we're going to substitute your smoking. We're going to give you free e-cigs. And that is not the case at all. Uh, but nope. another thing that, that I wanted to bring up is we always talking about, you know, the big headline. There was a lot of stuff within this report, to me, that was very beneficial to the industry. Uh, risk perception, uh, the, the risk to bystanders. Uh, you know, the the uh, the the quit rates of combustible tobacco at record rates, uh, all this stuff that was included within the report, they didn't get to see a lot of the, uh, you know, the limelight as it should. Today, I blocked about it and I made sure to add a few more points along with that headline. And I suggest that everybody goes and reads the report because there's a lot of good information in there. Good, accurate information that these people, that the authors of the study, took time to weigh all the evidence and put out this report. And uh, ultimately, my question, and this I'm going to ask this to Lorian as well, too, when she comes on, is my question is that everything from this study suggests that as the industry stands now, which is unregulated, it's a self-regulated industry uh, uh, in the UK and in the EU, as it stands now, it's helped so many people quit smoking. Then what is the purpose of the TPD, <laughs> what is the purpose? Exactly. What is the TPD going to do, and 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 put this industry on its knees? And all the benefits that we've seen over the last four or five years will be will be erased. Let me go ahead and bring her on from now, and then we're gonna play some clips as well too. I hope she's ready. I might have caught her off guard. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hello. Do we have Lorian yet? I uh, hope so. Hello. Hello. Joining us is the trustee of the New Nicotine Alliance, Lorian Jolly. I just want to say, I wanted to say your last name like with an accent, like Jolly. Does that sound <laughs> you good? can say it however you like, but it is just Jolly. It's not, not that exotic sounding. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. This is the first time we're having you on. We're excited to have you on. And I know it's very late for you, so thank you for staying up. Or if you woke up for the show, I really, really appreciate it. That's quite all right. All right, so let me bring this question up to you before we get into some more specifics. But over the scope of this 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 review and this this report that was published today, shows so many benefits to electronic cigarettes, uh, not only in the less harmful uh, category, but as I explained, in other categories around us, including the bystander vapor, uh, you know, uh, the smoking tolls that, that that have come down tremendously, and other reports within the report that are so beneficial. What? What is the TPD aiming to do after after they see this report? Is it going to affect it at all? Do you know, it's frustrating. Um, obviously, for anybody who doesn't know, the TPD was uh, the Tobacco Products Directive, and that was done at EU level. Now, the UK is, is a member state of the EU, so we can't influence the decision that they made um, sort of last year for the Tobacco Products Directive. It's going to make things very awkward because every individual member state has now been given a set of rules, um, or half a set of rules, half of them haven't been made up yet, and within with those they have to work out how they implement that in the member state. Now some countries have gone all out mental and are banning and taxing and restricting and uh, restricting flavours and, and every horror story you can imagine. The UK has gone very gentle and what we've seen out of the UK so far um, in terms of public consultations it does seem they are trying to mitigate some of the damage. However, now this report has come out, there are going to be a lot of people looking at what the TPD seeks to do and going, this, these two can't work together. You know, this, they are totally incompatible. The view of Public Health England and the, what the TPD wants to happen actually can't sit alongside one another. 
You know, no, they can't. Do you think that? Do you think that? Um, the TPD is usually a, a you know a ruling that's going to come out from from the agency that is out there to protect ultimately the consumer, right? Public health. They're they're trying to make these regulations to protect public health, but all yeah. the evidence suggests that this is a benefit to public health. Is that this thing? And if they said come from public health, the, tra- the tobacco product, well, the TPD hasn't come from public health. It's, it's come from a, a bunch of politicians and, and bureaucrats, um, and it was done with very little input from public health. So what we have with the TPD is a bunch of red tape and rules and regulations written by people who have, and at that time, bear in mind this started two and a half years ago, had next to no knowledge of the product. The market was still very young. There was no data known really on usage or or anything at all. So uh, there's a real big disconnect with what the TPD is and now what public health is saying because the two never met um, during the process. Obviously, obviously. uh, Go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say, even with uh, Linda McCavin, who spearheaded the TPD in the EU, um, she's not responded or put out a statement as far as I know. Have you seen anything from her, Lorian? No, not a peep. I think, and this is the, this is one of the major problems, is that with something like um, with the way the EU works and the way politics works there, is that once someone's done their job on a particular task, they walk away, they brush their hands of it, and they say, yes, I achieved what I was supposed to do, or I failed miserably, and now I'll move on to something else. So, unfortunately, there's, there's no responsibility for people like Linda McCavin for what she's done. She's just walked away from it, and we'll be doing another job now. She, yeah, she, she, separate, she definitely set the, the, the dynamite and walked away with a match. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've got so many questions for you, Lorianne, but uh, <laughs> the first question... Do you think that this this uh, this headlines that we're starting to see pop up in the UK and some of these tabloids where it says, um, you know, because there is some talk of, you know, medicine among this report as well, too. Right. So do, do you think that these tabloids that are using these shock titles, you know, like, oh, you're going to get free e now, which, by the way, if they do, you know, sign me up. But if, <laughs> the, the, these titles, do you think it's going to work, you know, against us in, in, in the public perception right i'm talking about the people that don't smoke it don't vape that don't understand the product uh do you think that they're going to get this 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 feeling of oh hold on a second now everybody's going to be getting free e-cigs this is a bad thing absolutely i mean there's no question that that's uh it was a it's a deliberate thing unfortunately we don't have a great relationship with the press in the uk i don't think anybody does anywhere to be honest and the actual report itself doesn't mention or talk about e-cigarettes being available on the on the nhs and that they um, that they should be, or anything al- along those lines. This is something that came up in the press conference after uh, kind of the report itself was released before the embargo um, from a couple of two particular newspapers. And then this is what has been spread. Now, even in the original press release from Public Health England, it doesn't talk about um, medicalisation, it doesn't talk about these being available free. It wasn't the focus. The focus from Public Health England's point of view was the 95% safer, the potential to save lives. Um, now, what's happened, and as soon as we saw the first headlines, you, kind of, you guessed what was going to happen, and it's exactly what you've just said. People going, hang on a second. This is ridiculous. This is taxpayer money. How dare these addicts get this? Bloody smokers this. Um, the resentment has been instantaneous and incredibly strong. Um, and that's exactly what they wanted. They wanted something divisive, um, the media, and they wanted to um, cause uproar 
uh, and discontent, and they've achieved it. It's quite incredible. I, I, I understand that. I get it. I mean, I know how the media works, and, and yeah. we see it all the time here as well, too. But do you think that the report could have been a little bit more specific? Because the reason why I bring this up is I'm just playing devil's advocate. By, by, by quoting something like medicinally regulated products, I mean, we know that e-cigs are not uh, a, a, a drug, okay? I'm not <laughs> sick. I'm not, taking, I'm not using e-cigs because I'm, I'm, I'm sick, right? And we know that e-cigs are not tobacco products either. Uh, so, well, you know, do you think that the stance that they took, and maybe they could have been a little bit more defined as to what the product is, that way we don't have this misconception that it could possibly turn into a medicinal product, or do you believe that there might be some um, some back-channeling going on by some pharmaceutical companies trying to pressure and put their, get their way into the e-cig market? Okay, so firstly, from everything we know, the pharmaceuticals have absolutely no intention of wading into the e-cig market. Um, that simply isn't going to happen. On the other hand, we also know they're lobbying extremely hard against it. Um, the thing we've got to bear in mind is in the UK, there was always going to be a, tr a twin track market. So we were always going to have um, the open market uh, with all of our exciting, fancy stuff that we actually want to use. And we were going to have the medicinal market with the boring stuff that nobody would actually want to use and nobody would buy if it was on the open market. So that isn't news. Um, everybody knew that was always going to be the case. So at some point, if somebody can get an e-cigarette through uh, the medical licensing procedure, then it will be available. That's always been the case. It's not news. Um, it will be something boring. It will be sterile. It will be extraordinarily simple. Um, and it will be something that would probably be enough to prove the concept um, to a smoker who wasn't prepared to pay out for themselves initially to try and see if vaping would work for them. Um, it isn't going to be something anybody would want to use continually or use recreationally. So, And I think that the yeah. pharmaceutical companies know that as well. I mean, <laughs> obviously they know oh, that yeah. even if they put a product out there, it's not going to be desirable. Well, no, we've no, seen that I, with NRT. Go ahead, Em. I think one of my biggest fears with the whole, because I do, Russ Moody, um, he talks about medicalization on the BBC this morning, Lorian. Hmm. I think my biggest fear is that if they do go the medical route, the only companies that are large enough to fulfill that kind of in this country would be the big tobacco companies. So are are they? do you think that they would actually contract with a tobacco company to get these sigalikes to put on prescription? It raises a very interesting question, doesn't it? Because, yes, they would have to. Um, the only device that's going through at the minute um, is a tobacco industry device. Now, again, this is something that we've known for the last couple of years. Um, what can we do about it? In that respect, nothing. I mean, the, the product will be there. They want a product. The way the NHS works means that they can't um, advise or give a product to anybody unless it's a medicine. You know, they're backed into a corner in that respect. So, you know, this, this was always going to happen. There was always going to be a medicinal device. It's only ever going to be possible for somebody with an awful lot of money to get it through the system. Um, and it is going to be something that is relatively benign, probably not particularly effective. Um, and definitely not um, appealing. However, we still have the open market, and that is something that Public Health England were very keen to point out in quite a few of their interviews, was actually having the choice. So a smoker could choose to stay in the open market or choose to go down and, and try a medicinal e-cigarette. So they, they are very keen to point that out. I'm scared. I got, the, I got a little clip here. Uh, which one is this, um, M? That, that you just uh, mentioned? Russ? The one from Russ Moody? Russ Moody, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Russ Moody is the Health and Wellbeing Program Lead for Public Health England. Lead for Public Health England here in the Southwest. This is the first uh, comprehensive 
review of the evidence uh, looking at vaping and e-cigarettes, and the headline is that e-cigarettes and vaping is 95% less harmful than smoking tobacco. So we are very reassured from a health harms perspective. So you've done this research on these vaping machines. Uh, how do you come to this figure of 95%? That seems to be very precise. It, it is, and it is a, uh, a, a, an estimation, so that's the first thing to, to say, but it is based on some expert views, and it's also based on uh, some published evidence. And really what that evidence was looking at was the toxins and the level of toxins in the vapour produced by an e-cigarette and, of course, the smoke produced from a cigarette. And when you compare those two, uh, we can see that there are far, far less toxins and we're able to make an estimation of the risk associated with those toxins when comparing the vapour that comes out of an e-cigarette um, to uh, the combustible tobacco uh, of a cigarette. And so we are able to relatively accurately uh, and very confidently say that e-cigarettes are 95% less harmful than smoking. So, All right, let me pause it right there because there's a new drama brewing up with this 95%. <laughs> and I'm sure everybody's aware of what I'm talking about. Even some uh, proponents of the electronic cigarettes have come out and been a little bit critical about this, this, this classification of 95%. I want to take your take on it, Lorian. Do you think that by, by putting that number, instead of saying by, you know, because this is one of the reasons why I love Dr. F. Every time he talks about e-cigs, he says they're by magnitudes less harmful than traditional tobacco cigarettes. You know, he, 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 he makes it sound, you know, he doesn't put a number to it, but he says that, you know, they're, they're just night and day. Do you think that number, again, might come back and bite us in the ass? I think it depends how you look at it. Um, I was hoping you were going to do a Dr. Fastly um, uh, uh, um, accent, then that would have been lovely. Um, so... <laughs> Oh, the 95%, we're, there is a game being played here, um, whether we like it or we're not. This, there is a lot of politics going on. Now, the misconception around e-cigarettes now in the UK and in the US is so vast and so damaging. Um, currently, around 45% of UK smokers think they're at least as harmful as, as smoking. So th that needs to be overcome and overcome very quickly. Now... Whether you approve the methods or not, um, we don't have enough information right now and, and data to say this is definitively how much safer they are. What, we do, what they do need to do is, go, is, is a shock, is a number, is a statistic to put into the press to, to overcome this fear that people have. Now, the public aren't interested in dribs and drabs of information, repeated studies, or we, you know, we've tweaked it a little bit more. They want um, a soundbite. And that's what you have to give them. And because this damage is now so bad, I mean, it really is so bad. We know people are continuing to smoke because they think e-cigarettes are, are sure. bad. <sighs> we are stuck in this game of politics, which is awkward and it, and it makes me uncomfortable. Um, and it's also, it's a worst case scenario. The whole 95% thing is, is, they view it as a worst case scenario. I see it. I see it. You know, I'm trying to take the different angles of how people can take it. Okay. Uh, and, 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 you know, I'm seeing it from, from, let's say, from a regulatory standpoint. Okay, now we have a number. If, if tobacco is taxed this much, then E6 should be taxed 95. No, now we got a number to tax it if we want to put it on there. And, of course, once they tax it, that doesn't stop them anything from increasing it in the future, number one. Yeah. Number two, you know, the, the average smoker will look at this and say, 
well, you know, how did they get to the 95%? You know, that doesn't make any sense. You know, you can say that they're less harmful, uh, but, you know, 95%, that number seems to me like it's manufactured, you know, by the industry itself. And thirdly, the politicians, right? The politicians, because at every hearing that you, that you hear, is, are they safe? That's the first question that they ask you. Are they safe? And, and, and you know, we, we try to say they're less harmful. We're not trying to put a number to it because we don't want to give them, you know, the, you know a, a scientific number that goes along with because there's so many variables on how you vape, what device you vape, how much you vape. It is, there really can't be a 95 or 96 or whatever, okay? We know that they're less harmful. So I'm taking it from all those three angles. But to see, to see proponents of e-cigs now kind of criticize publicly uh, this, this number is a little bit disturbing to me. Uh, do you know it is uh, it is and it isn't i think it's what it's what we have to work with right now um so we, we we're stuck in a situation where it's just saying safe. we've also i've always said safe uh when we get the whole are they safe are they they're not 100 percent safe so which you come back with this but nothing is 100 percent safe uh you know it's difficult and it's all based around um or largely based around uh some work that professor david nutt did uh, looking at the comparative risks between various kind of um risky behaviors so you know there is some there is there is data behind it in that respect um it's all it's it's all theoretical um but what else do we have to work with and it's very difficult and what we can't start doing now is is tearing down walls um that we're working really very hard i'm going to bear in mind the people that we're talking to they do want a snapshot they do want something they can get their teeth into and understand um and whether they're 95 percent safer or 99 or 99.99 um, the, the, the safer message hasn't been enough because of the damage that has been done coming out of the CDC, coming out of the BMA in the UK, coming out of the WHO. Um, so, you know, it is, it is a game of politics and, and none of us are politicians and none of us are used to these kind of game playing. So it does make you feel awkward. And then when you have proper scientists as well, for them it's awkward because they deal in, in facts and figures and numbers. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a weird area to be stuck in and feel feel stuck in the middle of but it is what we have to work with at the minute sure let's play a little bit more of this uh this interview I want there, to there is still a degree of harm is that why they won't be put out on prescription then well actually um we are hopeful that uh in the future um that there will be potential for these products to be available we would very much welcome that um we would like to see proper regulation in place we would like to make sure we would like to see that uh, that regulation uh, improve the quality, improve the safety, and improve the uh, efficacy uh, of, of these products. Um, so they're not available on prescription at the moment, but we're hopeful that uh, in the future they they will be. Well, what sort of timescale could we be talking about? Because I'm guessing there are dozens of companies now nationally who advertise, they spend a fortune advertising these products, who may be put out of business. Well, we have the uh, Tobacco Products Directive, which is uh, coming along in May 2016. Um, as far as answering your question, when will we see the first licensed product uh, on the market? You'd have to ask the Medicines Healthcare Products Regulatory Authority on that. They are yeah. He's gone into too much medication, <laughs> in my opinion. I think he went yeah. a little bit overboard on the medication thing. Uh, and, and also, you know, again, the words that are coming out, I, I agree with him, but I'm, I'm always, I'm always concern on how the smoker that is listening to this and if i was a, i'm a vapor i know exactly what he's talking about and i agree that we need some regulation we need some proper manufacturing you know the, the basic stuff that goes with any consumer product however mm -hmm. when a smoker hears what he's saying 
Uh, we hope to make them safer in the future, and we hope to have them available. It's kind of given them the, the, the false sense, uh, Lorian, that, that, hey, we're not there yet, you know, but hopefully we'll be there, and, and you know, it maybe it will deter them from trying it. No, you're right, and it's unfortunate, because when I listened to um, Russ Moody speaking today, there were some great bits in what he was saying, and then when he turned to that bit when he says... Um, to make them safer, like you right. say, it, it infers that there's something wrong now that needs right. to be fixed, um, or something drastically wrong that needs to be fixed. Now, uh, fortunately, when you look at all of the rest of the coverage on you know, from the rest of the BBC and on BBC News um, and Sky and all the rest of them, other people from Public Health England um, didn't use the words that he used. He was quite alone in using those words that, that implying that it's going to be safer in the future. Mm-hmm. Most other people talked about it from the point of view as, right now, there is a market that is working. And anybody in public health needs to be using it. And they need to be saying to smokers, go out there, try it. So he was a bit of an, anom- an anomaly in that respect. And there are still people, there are lots of people, who are still overly cautious and slightly nervous around e-cigarettes and do want a medicinal e-cig. But... He, I say he was slightly out of the norm from the message that was coming from the likes of Anne McNeil and, and Linda McCavan. Linda McCavan, what an awful thing to say, Linda Bald. Um, that in that, the message was, now, right now, go out there and look at what's there. It's working now. And the British Lung Foundation said exactly the same thing. It's working for people now. It's worked up to this point. People need to go and look now. Right. I think in part he was trying to be devil's advocate and try to run both sides of it but one of the things that shocked me is that cancer research uk actually showed up on the bbc to give a statement about the public health england announcement and as you know lorian cancer research uk used to be pretty anti-e-cig they kind of ridden the fence for a little while and now they're like hey this is kind of cool so george butterworth was the one that was on the bbc show that you were on today and i think mm-hmm. demetri's got a clip for that UK's tobacco policy manager. Well, we think this is a very important review by Public Health England of, of the existing evidence around e-cigarettes, uh, and we would agree with the statement that, that e-cigarettes are almost certainly far safer than uh, tobacco cigarettes. What, where do we go from here? Because a lot of people who have been, you don't smoke vapours, but those who have been vaping have been telling us this for ages. So are we that surprised by the findings? Well, I think we always have to move on the evidence. Certainly an organisation like Cancer Research UK, we fund a lot of our own evidence into uh, e-cigarettes because we're aware of the potential benefits. I mean, people may be saying this, but you have to prove it before you can make uh, sort of evidence-based policy. Uh, so this kind of review is very important in doing that and getting together peer-reviewed academic evidence to, to make that case. Uh, and there is the argument, of course, these huge tobacco companies, some of them own some of the vaping companies. So I, I suppose... Are we being clouded by this information? Well, we only base we wouldn't base our research, um, uh, our positions on any research done by big tobacco companies. Uh, we base it on independent peer-reviewed literature uh, only. And yes, we, we are concerned about the involvement in big tobacco and are obviously trying to paint it as a responsibility that they're being responsible producers of both the tobacco, which actually is an incredibly lethal product that kills up to two-thirds of its long-term users, and then they're saying we're also providing e-cigarettes. So we're sort of aware of their tactics in this market. They're covering their bases. So it's something to be mindful of. But still, e-cigarettes generally themselves uh, look like a much safer product and help people quit tobacco. So, yeah. Are you a little bit surprised by that, uh, Lorian? Are you surprised by the statement? 
Yes and no. Um, funny things have been happening with Cancer Research UK over the past year or so, and largely down to, I think, Linda Bold. Um, I think for a lot of people, uh, Meg's right, Cancer Research UK a year and a half ago were horrendously were. against... I, re I remember it. It was awful. Yes. It, um, yeah. Sorry. No, no. What I wanted to get at is seeing that shift because to me this is extremely important, and it, I need. I think it needs to get more airplay, and I, and I hope that all the guys there in the UK are blasting this because it's extremely important to know who this guy is. First of all, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're talking about the Cancer Research UK. This is a tobacco policy manager saying that e-cigs are less harmful and they can help people quit smoking. If this happened in the United States, I would, you know. Rejoice! I would run in the streets naked. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if American <laughs> Cancer Society parroted the exact same thing Cancer Research UK just said? Exactly. I mean, you're talking about groundbreaking news, and I don't think it's just getting enough out there. To me, it's shocking, maybe because I don't know them as well as you. But expand a little bit on that, if you if you don't mind, Laurie. Okay, so believe me, there are a lot of us today who felt like stripping naked and running through the streets. Um, we we knew this report was coming, and it it blew us away when we knew. It, the, the, vaguely the content and we saw the content um, it is a remarkable, remarkable day in the UK for, for vaping Cancer Research UK and their turnaround is so important um, it can't be underestimated just how important because they are they are considered to be um, such a respectful um, respected organisation um, that even if people discount what Public Health England say or the, even the WHO People look to Crook and they expect honesty and truth. And I think largely they've been needing somebody um, behind the scenes who's putting in positive messages, which is what Linda Bold has been doing. And they've needed to see that this is working for people. Um, now, now that that information has been a long time coming in the UK in that respect. It's been in dribs and drabs. So in the last year, they have seen that there are people now not smoking tobacco. And I think that's what a lot of people, that's all they needed to see. Right, it's working. Right. So now we've got to start looking into it. And I think that a, a large part of this is also driven by fear, not just from Cancer Research UK, but by many very well-respected experts, by people within Public Health England, uh, is that they've looked at what's happened in the last two years. They've looked at the fact that they haven't done anything. They've allowed all of these stories to build up around them. They haven't argued back. They haven't corrected them. And now they're looking at this figure of 44% of smokers thinking there's no point in switching, going... What have we done? Yeah. Genuinely, what have we done? And the last Cancer Research UK meeting I was at, there was palpable fear from a lot of experts going, how do we overcome this? What, what, you know, what do we need to do to actually tell smokers, it's okay, try them? Um, and I think there's, it's, it's a, a very gentle admission that they've left this too long and too late. Um, and so now they've got to come out hard and they've got to come out shouting. Uh, and I think it's also worth bearing in mind that we are the most critical critical people of this situation so all of the stuff today we look at it from a very jaded point of view um, and we read into it far more than anybody else does for the average smoker on the street um, and for the non-smoker and for the families and friends of smokers what happened today is absolutely astronomical it's going to have blown a lot of people away because it's such at odds with everything they've been told for the last two two and a half years so it's unbelievably important i mean I mean, it's it's very difficult. All day today, I've been looking at it thinking, I actually can't even quite believe what's happened today um, and trying not to read into it too much from what I know and what we know and our cynicism. 
and just go, what message is this just sent out to smokers? Who else did you see today that you were shocked? Did you see anybody else that uh, that that came out from the opposition? Always. Uh, that, that came out and, and spoke positive about this? Um, uh, do you know, one thing that has surprised me, and I haven't had the chance to go back and listen to it yet. Um, we went to watch fireworks this evening, so that's why I've been, I've been distracted by that. Um, I, uh, from what I've heard, the BMA, the British Medical Association, who have been, wow, they've been staunchly against everything to yep. do with e-cigarettes. They're insanely... Oh, they're nasty about it too. Oh, absolutely vile, vitriolic people. I'm trying my best not to swear because I'm on the radio. No, no, you can swear here. Don't worry. We don't have any... <laughs> this, this is not vapor trail TV. Don't worry. You can swear all you want to. <laughs> So, yeah, the BMA have been a real problem. And I hear today that when they were asked, or one of their one of their representatives were asked directly about how the new report affects their position, they said that they would now have to look at their position on vaping in public spaces. Now, that, that would be just huge. And it's one of those things that I can't get my head around. And I need to go back and listen to that and hear it with my own ears because that would be absolutely astonishing. That would be that would literally be the icing on the cake because the BMA over here actively recommending that businesses, uh, you know, ban vaping indoors, don't allow your workers, send them outside. And they've been, Florian said, they've been absolutely vile about it. They're probably they're like the John Ashton's times 10. Yeah, no, they are horrible. Beautiful. We had some reaction uh, within the community, though, and uh, various groups came out uh, after this this uh, this report was published uh, late last night. Uh, what what the, some of the various groups there uh, had to say about it? Well, um, let's see. Obviously, we've got the press release from the New Nicotine Alliance. I can let Lorian take care of that one. The one that that was I found quite interesting was from Vapors in Power, which is a political party over here in the UK that was, when was that established? Last year, Lorian? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it must have been yeah, in last year. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Yes. Um, Liam, I'm friends with him on Facebook and talk to him quite regularly. He says the political party and pressure group formed to represent the UK Vapors said that these experts are very late to the party and estimated two and a half million smokers have already turned to vaping to reduce or replace smoking. They have done so without support from their general practitioners, who until recently were often strongly opposed to vaping. While we welcome the medical establishment on our on board our bandwagon, we hope that they will be wise enough to listen to the views and experiences of the nation's vapors who have managed very well so far without medical interference. Um, vapors and powers they're pretty concerned about um, the consequences of the U-turn that's been made with public health and mm -hmm. that it's not been properly considered yet. Um, plus, it's also the, the, implement, yeah, sorry, the implementation of these proposals could make medical e-cigs as effective as current nicotine replacement therapies because we all know NRT has like, what, a 2% success rate? Like that. There was a report published, I think we tweeted it uh, three or four days ago, that basically concluded that, that NRTs don't work. <laughs> That's basically that. Yeah. That was the report. <laughs> <laughs> they pretty much don't. Um, ACETA, the Electronic Cigarette and, uh, Industry Trade Association over here, they wrote a blog about it and pretty much what they've broken, they've done what Clive Bates has done is they've broken it down to um, important bits of the release. Um, and they say the same thing. The, the most important part, the best estimates show that e-cigarettes are 95% less harmful to your health than normal cigarettes. And it's extremely important not to under 
not to understate what this means, scaremongering in the press has actively damaged the ability of e-cigs to act as a safer alternative to smoke tobacco. Public Health England and others such as Ash from London um, are now actively trying to correct the misrepresentation of e-cigs. And I think that's going to be really, really important here in the UK is that these organizations that have been e-cig and have been riding the fence for the last six months or so finally put their foot down and say okay we've got this information now let's get it out there and correct all this damage that they've caused because they are the ones that are responsible for the people in the uk that don't think e-cigs are safer than smoking i think as uh, there was a, a a little uh card that i found today that i posted on my blog that kind of broke down exactly you know what the the evidence was in that public health england and it was really nice it's small it's short and it gets right to the point, are e six safe, significant safer, are, you know, are, are they better than smoking cigarettes? Obviously, yes. Do they harm others? Uh, can they help people quit? And I think it was very, very telling, very short and very telling, something that we can definitely use when we're tweeting out to, to legislators or public health officials or we're trying to reach them. It's something that we can send to them immediately and say, hey, listen. What you're saying is bullshit because <laughs> we know it's bullshit. Yeah. And now we have the, the backup to, to, to prove it. And I think that's extremely important. We here in the United States, we're getting killed. We're getting killed because something like this has not happened. Uh, we've taken all these flawed studies that are coming out with the formaldehydes, with the mice, with you know everything that's coming out that's bad. And it's getting major, major headlines across the United States. But nothing like this. Uh, has come out to to you know you can only share a Farsalino's you know debunking of a story as many times, but it's not going <laughs> to see the, the, the it's not going to see the, the the mainstream media as the bad stories that are out there. The reaction that you see, Lorraine, now and and coming from you as Nicotine Alliance, how did Nicotine Alliance respond to something like this? By the way, briefly, briefly, if you can, before that, tell us exactly what the Nicotine Alliance is and what is your role into into the UK as well. So the New Nicotine Alliance, uh, the New Nicotine Alliance came about because uh, there were lots of disparate groups and attempts to get uh, some organisation going in the UK, <clears throat> um, which was proving difficult and very hard to get legislators' ears and public health ears, and we were just getting doors slammed in our faces all the time. So a bunch of us got together um, and set up the New Nicotine Alliance. So we're vapors, um, we are people from public health, we are people from stop smoking services. Um, uh, and we've basically come together to create um, a legitimate, unaffiliated, unsullied voice um, for uh, essentially nic recreational nicotine use. At the minute, the focus obviously is e-cigarettes. In the future, there's bound to be other nicotine products that um, would, would come under the same heading. Um, and it's working, which is good. Um, we're, a, we're a charity, um, which in the UK does carry some weight. Um, and obviously, we're not affiliated with some with anybody. Which obviously, in the UK, um, that's an absolute no-no. Um, we don't, we can't work with vendors. We can't do any of that kind of thing. It's too toxic. Um, from our point of view, today's statement is is remarkable. Um, obviously, it's remarkable. There's very little in it for us to dislike because there are no surprises. Um, and uh, more than anything, it's just heartening to know that all this time we've been, we have been being listened to. Um, as I saw somebody say on Twitter, we could have written this report ourselves. And in some respects, that's that's actually right. Um, the, the, the thrust behind it, the feeling behind it, the sense of fear and panic and, Christ, we've got to fix this, um, is exactly what we've all been feeling for, for quite a long time. So from our point of view, it's extraordinarily heartening. There aren't any shocks in there. Um, and there's... Uh, the, say the medicinal thing is a little bit of a red herring because we knew that was coming. Um, that's always been on the cards. 
So it's very, it's very, very positive. I think it's something now that we can use as a tool to further advocate. Because we've never had something like this as a tool in our arsenal. We had various reports, various studies that have come out that are very, very specific. But nothing comprehensive as this that covers a wide variety of issues uh, and questions that people have over electronic cigarettes. Uh, what has the vaping reaction? I mean, I know it, it, to me, just like you said, it kind of felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. I was like, okay, yes, here we go. We got it now. We have something, you know. I mean, yeah, it, 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 when you're swimming in in the sea by yourself, you know, even a, a two by four board is 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 like an island to you because it gives you a little bit of relief. So yeah. for, for me, it was like that. But in, in a country, and and I've been to the to, to the UK twice this year, and 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 I, and I think you spoke at the first meeting, right, at the Vape Jam UK. Oh yeah, and and seeing the the response, which I was really frustrated, and we've talked about it here on the show with Meg, and not only the the apathy uh, of in in the misinformation or the complete ignorance of vapors on the TBD, but also a lot of the vendors that I talked to that had no idea what the TBD was, right? So you know, how frustrated are you? I mean, I saw you when you were there at Vape Jam UK, and you were talking, you know, obviously. You were not wearing a bikini. You were not giving away juice. So, you know, you, you, which I, I highly suggest that you do from now on, by the way. At least the bikini part. But, but, but seriously, you saw the, the, you know, the, the reaction, you know, and it's frustrating. It really is frustrating. Why do you think that exists? Uh, do you know, I've, I've, I've toyed with this one, and it is difficult. I wasn't surprised by, by Vape Jam um, because... I mean, really, you're looking at quite a small group of advocates. But then, you know, I thought about people who were advocating for other causes. And I would imagine that the proportion of a, a group of people who are pro a cause and then the proportion of those people who are actually active in any way is probably the same across all subjects. I don't imagine that vaping is any different. We have an added complication in that the way the TPD was presented in the press um, repeatedly was that it wasn't a worry. Don't worry. It's just a little bit of regulation. It's all fine. Um, and it wasn't unless you went through the entire ridiculously long document and watched all the changes going through, which most normal people wouldn't dream of, and you wouldn't have any idea about what it actually means. So you've got to bear in mind what the majority of vapors in, in the UK who aren't on forums um, and who aren't on Twitter or on Facebook, what they're exposed to. And what they're exposed to is don't panic. It's all going to be okay. Um, there are vendors, some very good vendors who have been very, very keen to kind of get the message out. Uh, but there are a lot of vendors who either see it as a threat to their future business when you've got a customer walk through the door and they go, here, have this kit. Um, by the way, you might not be able to use that next year. <laughs> That's, That's not a great selling point. So I think there's no. been some of that from the more cynical, um, business-minded, uh, more solely business-minded vendors, if you like. Um so it's a complicated picture, but I, I'm not sure that it's any different from any other subject. Well, in I don't that know. Respect. I mean, have you met the National Rifle Association folks here in the United States? They're pretty fucking passionate. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Those yeah. fuckers know how no, to organize. We need to hire their lobby is what we need to do. Uh, but, I mean, it was just it was just an example. But, you know, I, I, I get it. I understand what you're saying, that it kind of represents everything. There's only going to be a small portion. Do you think that maybe this report kind of uh, puts people at ease? I mean, it, for me, it fires me up as an advocate, right? But do you think that, that this came out, it might actually, again, once again, work counterproductive to us and say, a lot of the vapors say, well, we have the report, now we're done. We don't have to do anything. 
Right. So, yeah, I think most I think the, the most vapors, um, bearing in mind that we are such a small proportion than the active, even social, social media active um, vapors are a tiny proportion of the amount of people that are out there. For most of them, it's going to be a weight off their shoulders because most of them are going to be worrying. I oh, know I'm actually doing the right thing. Is, are they going to find yeah. a problem? So for them, yes, it's going to take a weight off their shoulders because they're not even aware of the other problems. I think for advocates, um, it's, it, it is like something like you've been swimming in the sea for a long time and you're knackered and you're about to give up and someone's just thrown you a lifeline. Um, it's the and holy grail of giving. It really is, yeah. So I think for, for, the, for the advocates, it's going to fire us up. Um, and not just the vaping advocates, but the people in public health themselves. Um, it's given, it will give... A lot of non-vaping advocates, um, the strength and the confidence to go, actually, no, do you know what, I'm cool with this, and now I can be open about the fact that I think vaping is a really good idea. So people working in hospitals, in doctor's surgeries, um, wherever they are working in public health, it gives them a little bit of confidence to actually come out of the closet. And believe me, I speak to people like a mistress. It is the weirdest relationship. I speak to people all through public health in secret. Because they're not allowed to know, people aren't allowed to know that they talk to me or to e-sync advocates. It's the most bizarre situation. So this will actually give them the confidence to come out of the closet, as it were, um, and be more vocal themselves and start to see uh, a change. Non-vaping, vapors who aren't advocates, I don't think it'll make much difference. I think it, they'll probably just slip, sleep a bit easier. You're not an attorney, by the way. I want to ask you a legal question, uh, if you can answer it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, do you think that this report will help Totally Wicked's case? Wow. Um, Anita, did you get a, did you get my list of questions? No, I didn't. I sure didn't know. Was that one of your questions? <laughs> I'm sorry. Thing, isn't yeah. it? That I'm is sorry. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm in your I'm in your so I'm in your head, Meg. I'm in your head. <laughs> oh my god! It's that white There's lotus my I gave you. <laughs> will this report help the T T W um, court case? I think that's very difficult to answer um, at the minute because where where does this report come in in a legal sense and how is it admissible in court um, is very difficult. But then I guess it's as admissible as as, as anything else that goes against the case. Uh, the TW case is a complicated one, and I think at the minute we don't really know what it's going to do. We hope it's going to have an impact, but at the same time. <sighs> We're aware that it might not, and you if it doesn't, be, then perhaps it's free. You have to be realistic, yeah, uh, and bear in mind yeah. the situation that we're in. So I don't think it's possible to say at the minute. I would hope it has yeah. a positive impact, but it's a tiny part of a massive picture at EU level. Meg? That is. One of the, I... I want, like Lorian said, I want to think that it, it would be admissible in court and that they could use it as evidence. Um, and I would hope with as, as readable as it is, because I don't get into the, all the technical terms. I'm not very smart when it comes to stuff like that. And I can actually read through this report and understand what they're talking about. So I'm, re I'm really hoping that it, it will be something that they can use to help pull Article 20 out of the TPD and buy us some time for, you know, decent framework. Um, yeah, so I I want to say yes. I think it would help them. Personally, what I want to see with 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 the TBD is I want to see an extension. I want to see an extension. I think that it was rushed. It was rushed, and and I think that the date is not, um, it's not a proper date. Number one, it doesn't give enough time for people to get ready for for 
the the regulations that we don't really know details of, of how you're <laughs> even going to apply for this stuff. So, I mean, in a court of law, I think that the first step should be not trying to stop the TBD, but at least extend it where it give us enough time to sit back and create a strategy to mm-hmm. to, to, to change the, the, the way that it's, that's, that it's worded, number one, actually try to remove it completely and let every country do what they want. But extending that date and trying to buy some more time should be the logical first step in my opinion and i'm going to suggest that in indiana as well too in the state here where the law is going to be enacted and there's some lawsuits going on right now the first thing i would ask for indiana vendors would be go and say this is not uh, this date the small businesses cannot comply and give us an extension to try to get one or two years out and then sit back once you get that extension and try to strategize on how to change that that proposal Okay, so the problem is the TPD, it can't be done like that because the TPD is one unit that incorporates so many different measures um, and most of those are related to actual tobacco. So, I mean, this is part of the reason it got through in the first place and it's part of the reason why this was slid into it um, because it was a no-brainer that TPD was going to go through because of the tobacco control measures specifically dealing yeah. with cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Um so at the minute, you know, Article 20, uh, the bit that contains e-cigarettes, is an in, in inherent part of that. It cannot be separated. It is either in or it is out. So an extension isn't an option. I mean, it, it wouldn't even be considered. Um, even the lobbying that went on against Article 20 that we all did, um, we were accused of trying to, um, you know, delay the whole thing on behalf of the tobacco industry. So from a political point of view, for the politicians involved, Everybody was terrified. Well, Christ, if I vote against this, I'm gesticulating, you can't see me. If I vote against this, people are going to say that I've, I've given into the tobacco industry. So I can't vote against it, no matter what I think. Yeah. So that is, you know, there was a massive game played here, huge political game to the detriment of e-cigarettes. So e-cigs are in there. Article 20 is in there. It is either in or it is out. It can't be separated now. I found hopefully, really... oh, go ahead. hopefully, totally, Wicked will be able to get it pulled out. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. That's pretty much the only hope that we have going right now is is totally wicked getting that pulled out and then having it put back to the drawing board for a new framework. Yeah. There is a clip here that I want to play. You got into it, uh, I think, uh, if, according to my notes here. Uh, Your with, good friend Linda. <laughs> with with uh, Linda. First of all, tell us who this Linda is, uh, Lorianne. I can't remember. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my God. She's a fucking bitch. This pretty <laughs> woman... Oh, so she is the head of well-being, um, one of those ethereal, meaningless titles that councils in the UK give to useless people um, for Cornwall. And so she's kind of behind the smoking cessation services and various other things that improve our well-being. And I've been having to listen to her for the last two years saying exactly the same things. She doesn't budge at all. I complained about her last year. Um, to the body that oversees that this in the in um, the southwest of England, um, because she essentially told everybody uh, via the radio that it was safer to smoke because you knew how much nicotine you were getting. I nearly threw my phone through a window. I've heard that one um, before. And this is the kind of idiocy that she. Mm, this is the kind of idiocy that she's come out with continually um, on on the radio program that he keeps inviting to inviting her onto, with these bizarre stories of these addicted children. Um, coming into her smoking cessation services and all these adults that need NRT to get them off of e-cigarettes. I mean, the whole thing is just utterly, utterly bonkers. It makes for good radio. Let's play a little clip. It still contains nicotine. There's still more work to do. It's whether the things that they mix the nicotine... That's her, right? That's Linda? 
Yes. You, yep. can, you can tell by her voice that, that she has issues, by the way. <laughs> with are safe. That's the that's what they would need to check because they mix it with all sorts of oils and glycerine, oh, and oh. you're still heating a product and you're still taking it into your lungs. See, well, I'm confused because you're a health expert. I spoke to Russ Moody, who's the program yeah. lead for Public Health England, who said there is no evidence uh, that these cigarettes act as a route into smoking. But you have evidence. To say otherwise. Well, we have anecdotal evidence from things that were said. Um, we, we actually work with a project called the Breathers Group and they go into schools to talk to young people about smoking. And one of the things that they reported back on their last report to us was the number of young people who have tried electronic cigarettes. Oh, gosh, it sounds so and small probably haven't tried an ordinary cigarette but they have tried an electronic cigarette so they're getting addicted and you have people coming into your offices addicted to vaporing we do uh oh my god i, I want to see <laughs> i want to see one case study can she present any of this or, or is she just spewing because she's worse than leno i mean i thought leno was bad but i mean it's 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 so bad it's so much bullshit that it's not even even the guy that's the radio host is probably saying to himself, what yeah. is this woman saying, you know? I oh, think I beat this guy up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, I yeah. don't think she's telling the truth. I, my genuine gut feeling, um, this would be such important um, data if it were true. And I don't think it's true. We do know that teens are trying e-cigarettes, but she does make it sound like um, you'd say in the same way we went in and 13-year-olds were trying prostitution and heroin. For God's sake, they're probably taking a puff on an e-cigarette. Um, and she also doesn't make any de uh, definition, which none of the studies do either, about whether or not they're even using nicotine. Funny enough, a conversation I had with my 13-year-old son today, given that I think these kids are actually buying e-liquid off of eBay, um, they're not using nicotine, but you know that's that's by the by. The woman is a moron in the most extreme senses, and I don't think she's telling the truth. And the fact that she even said they use oils, my ears nearly exploded when she said that. Let me let yeah. me play a little bit more because I want to get fired up. By the way, is Senator Leno married or single? Does anybody? If not, we have a perfect candidate for him. On, Take her. On, Take her. <laughs> I'll pay for her airfare. It'll be the vaping bullshit <laughs> dating game. <laughs> and we've had this over the last couple of years where we're using licensed medication to help people off their e-cigarettes. But because people who are using e-cigarettes aren't counted as smokers, they don't count towards our numbers, but we still help them. Incredible, isn't it? Uh, this is the information that a lot of you aren't aware of, you see. So we as a programme just want to make you... We're not taking sides. We're not judging you as an ex-smoker myself. I'm not going to sit here pontificating. We're just giving you the facts as we present them. So we've got the antis and the fours. Uh, Val's in Carline Bay. Val, good afternoon to you. Hello. Oh, good Let to get you on the... here. Yeah, I thought, you, I thought you were debating her on this, this, uh, this portion. But in any case... This woman is nuts. And when, when the radio show host says that we're going to present the facts, you have to double check the facts. I guarantee you yeah, the reason why she says. True. Yeah, because she says they're, they're not smokers. We can't document them. Bullshit. You have to document it. If somebody comes in and says that, hey, listen, uh, I never smoked and I started an electronic cigarette and I got hooked on nicotine and I want to get off of it. Damn right you're going to document it. Well, you'd think that if it's any kind of. A, <laughs> 
clinic or health organization that would document stuff like that. But she, has she presented this evidence anywhere publicly? No, because I don't think she never has any. That's besides the point. No, I think this really is. There's a whole lot of people like her, and they're part of what, what what's holding all of this back. Um, they don't read the interest evidence. They're not interested in the evidence. Um, they just think what they think, um, and they just spout it off. And she's she's on that particular show a lot. Um, Oh God! <laughs> yeah, she was. Wasn't she on it the the last time when I was tweeting Lawrence Creed, and he actually read quite a few of my tweets out on air, because yeah. I tweeted him just as she was talking about the teens and and vaping and they're addicted and stuff like that, and I tweeted to him just we all know that kids try stuff. So what? Just because they try something doesn't mean that they're addicted or that they're regular users. And he actually retweeted that. So I do have to give him a little bit credit. He's he was a lot more um, willing to listen now that the PHE has come out with this release than he was the last time that you were on the show. Mm, the last yep. time you were on the show with him, he was just absolutely, he was completely ignorant to everything. Yeah, yeah, no, he was. I mean, it's the third time I've done it, and it's the third time that I've had to listen to her before I've gone on air. I was I was almost shaking with anger having to listen to what she was saying. Um, yeah, and when I spoke to him on the phone this morning, when he, he rang me, woke me up first thing in the morning, I was tired, and he said, you know, um, he's playing devil's advocate. You know, don't take any of it personally. He's just going to. And to be fair, you know, to, to to him, I've done a lot of these these radio shows, and quite often they're so passive. The presenters they don't push you, they don't press you, and you kind of put the phone down, thinking, "Oh God, that wasn't very challenging," and feeling a bit let down. You put down the phone from him, and you do feel like, "Christ, I've just been ribbed by this man," which actually is good. Uh, I wanted to mention something here that was really interesting. That I saw on Clive Bates. Uh, you know, I'm 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 one of Clive Bates' biggest fanboys, uh, and this might come back to assist in states like in California, where they're having a huge fight right now. And he actually mentions California in his closing of his analysis. And if you don't ClivBates.com, if you not subscribe to this blog and you're a vapor, you're missing out on tons of content. Uh, but Clive Bates kind of did his analysis of the report today, and he closed. With a message for others, which I think is, is very powerful. Public Health England has done what good public health bodies should do, looked at the evidence, thought about its responsibilities, and worked through how to bring evidence into policy and practice. How many of its peers in other countries can claim the same? Where's the equivalent analysis from CDC or the extremists in California? Again, once again, he's quoting California here. What do Australia and Canada have to back their prohibit business positions? Uh, when will the WHO start to act uh, as though e-cigarettes are part of the solution, not part of the problem? And he goes on and goes. And th- what I want to get to this is, as a tool of advocacy, especially in a political climate, where you have a lot of legislators that simply don't understand the product, uh, and, and there's a lot of that going on, this would be a great tool to take, along with all these analysis, all these blogs that are out there, and, and create a relationship with the legislator, with a politician, and say, take a look at this. Because I don't think that anybody would read this report and, and read some of these, these postings, especially what Clive wrote over here, and, and think to himself, well, I, I'm going to have to move quickly as a state here. Uh, or a municipality, or if you want to have, you know, uh, we, we know what's happening over there at Wales and in Australia and at some of these other countries. Nobody, in in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lorraine, nobody in the right mind will look at this and say, well, it's a tobacco product, we're just going to classify it, we're going to ignore this entire thing. Would that be a better strategy instead of, you know, going full force offensive attack on, on, on trying to push a subject without having the evidence to back it up? You use an important phrase there. Anybody in their right mind looking at this report, 
And you know, that's the thing. It's the right mind thing. Now, we've already seen today that some of our um, more problematic, most problematic people in the UK, um, part of that little group of the Martin McKee, Simon Chapman, Stanton Glantz, and that little group of people who seem hell-bent on destroying everything they touch, um, they've immediately um, gone out on the attack with this. So I think you know, people who are dead against vaping um, for, for either ideological reasons, um, because they are slightly malleable in a corruption kind of way, um, they are um, you know, addicted to the money that they make from it, be it either taxes um, or funding or whatever it is, for those people, I'm not sure this report will make any difference because they don't want it to make any difference. And I think that's the key thing. I get the ideology, but <laughs> I mean, I get the ideology part, right? You're never going to be at Stanton glances and stuff like you're not going to be able to no. change those. But trying to find those pieces of those reasonable people that yep. can get in there and and at least present this to them and sit down and have this a civilized discussion on the product, I think this that is the right way to go. In my opinion, I think that's what wins the fight ultimately. Instead of the other way, where we're waiting, you know, when something happens, and then we're rushing, and, and our, we let our emotions take over. We let, we let, you know, we let that vapor passion, which is the best and the worst thing about vapors, take over, <laughs> or the industry itself. I think that route, and and just like you said, just like Clive, anybody in the right mind will sit down. Let's find the people that are in the right mind and try to convince them to to help us with the other ones that have that bad ideology. No, you are. I think that's what I was saying earlier. This this will embolden many people who were who were supportive but nervous, um, and then you've got the people who are just on the other side of that who aren't quite sure. Now they're the guys that aren't in the media. They're not the people with a with a kind of public uh, persona presence, and um, they're not the legislators. They're not the guys making the rules. But they are in number. Um, they are massively influential, and it's those people in the middle ground. Um, between the outright out there and yay this thing's great to the full-on um, slightly frighteningly disturbed position of people like Ch Chapman and so on um, the guys in between that are the ones that this is going to have the biggest effect on um, and that should be globally because as Clive said those are the people who are in their right mind but they are probably nervous or they're not quite sure or they've been bombarded with complicated information this report is so clean and it's so clear and that graphic that you're talking about uh, earlier on the blue-black graphic with the kind of five yeah. points or four points on it, is actually perfectly powerful. And it has written on it, Public Health England. England yes. That yes. little thing written on that little blue bit of information is so powerful and so useful because it's not done by anybody who's associated with any industry. Um, you can't accuse them of corruption or bias or anything along those lines. Sure. Um, that has a lot of power. I totally agree. And also I saw a, a link that David Marie... Um, put in the chat and I wanted to talk about it, and that's the one of the reasons why I brought up uh, Australia the, the headline there in the news read e-cigarettes can help people quit smoking but <laughs> this is a this is a this is a fantastic headline e-cigarettes can help people quit smoking but may be gateway for non-smokers studies suggest and nothing about this study suggests that by the way but when in a country where so many are struggling to get a hold of electronic cigarettes and it, to, to see a headline like that just makes me sick it just pisses me off it should. It's really upsetting. Uh, using that Java uh, uh, study. All right. Uh, anything else that you want to add, Meg? I'm good to go. I think we've kept. We need to send her a bottle of wine or some gin or something for her, gin. her gratitude. Gin. Lorian <laughs> likes gin. I will. Uh, I, I don't know when the next time I'm going to be. Me and Phil have put uh, the UK on the blacklist for the next six months. <laughs> but. <laughs> but <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, if, if we do decide to come on another trip next year, and if meats will be allowed next year in the UK, I'll make sure to buy you a gin. Uh, nicotine, uh, New Nicotine Alliance, where can people get more information about that? How can people contact you? So it's, uh, it's, it's NNA, um, nnalliance.org, um, and all the information's there. Obviously, I'm, I'm most easily found on Twitter um, under Cerulean C, which I think is the name that's on my profile in the chat. And NNA Alliance is literally NNA Alliance um, on Twitter too. So all the stuff is tweeted from there. And obviously links to the site and the blogs. Um, and you can sign up as supporters, and which can be global as well. It doesn't have to be UK. Um, which just means adding your name to a list to say, hey, we think this thing's cool. doesn't mean you actually have to pay any money or anything. Um, and then you can receive kind of newsletters about all the stuff um, that we're doing, <laughs> running around and trying to keep up with. What I, what I love about the name is is that you, you're directly going to the root. You're not dodging it. You know, We're the Nicotine Alliance because nicotine is not the killer. Nicotine yeah. is not the problem. And I love the fact that you use that straight into the name because yeah. that's what you stand for, for a, a cleaner, safer delivery, at least 95%, if you want to put it by a percentage, <laughs> less, <laughs> less, less harmful than combustible. You're, you're, you're a pleasure to have Lorian on. Thank you so much for no taking worries. the time at this so late in the UK for you coming on. And looking forward to the future. Anything that we can do, we're always here for you. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Lorian. Bye-bye. Uh, uh, there she goes, everybody. Uh, Lorian Jolly. Did I say that? <laughs> Did I say that with her? Lorian Jolly. <laughs> Lorian Jolly uh, from the New Nicotine Alliance, nnalliance.org, if you want to get more information. Uh, Meg, it was interesting. Uh, I know it was, it was big news over there. Do you feel that... Um, do you feel the response there from the vapors and what you've seen because you're on that side of the pond uh, matches the, the the celebration and exuberance that I felt today? I think I think it does. Um, I was aware of the report last night, so I kind of knew when I got up today that I was going to be walking into an absolute celebration. I didn't expect it to be as massive as it has been because, I mean, even like you said with Greg, Greg tweeted that picture, and it was. I don't think they were preachers. I think those were people from like uh, the World Wrestling oh, Organization. <laughs> I don't know. It looked like preachers <laughs> yeah. walking through the crowd, blessing people. I don't know what. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've I've actually got I've saved the the, the little GIF thing on my phone, okay. but I was GIF literally GIF, watching. By the way? I just want to make sure. Is it GIF or GIF? GIF, GIF or GIF? I don't okay. know. Right. I don't. Okay. I have no idea. Okay. 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 Go ahead. But I've been. I saved it, and then I was kept watching it over and over again because that is exactly felt i'm like here we are you know so many of us have argued and fought with people and tried to educate and finally we have a government body telling us what we have been screaming at the top of our lungs from the day we started vaping and nobody can refute it if they're in the right state of mind yeah one thing that i'd like to see now from the trade associations there in the uk is going after these newspapers <clears throat> like the Delhi Mirror that says smokers will get e-cigs on prescription. That is a false headline. There's nothing in there yep. that suggests that that smokers will get e-cigs on prescription or free or or funded by the government or in, in any case. I would like to see some of those groups go over there and attack and and reach out and try to get those 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 headlines pulled back and and, and apologize yeah. uh, publicly apologize for for running that and misleading smokers. It, it's 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 shocking to me. It's grim to think that a newspaper would use a headline to sell copies that potentially could keep people smoking and they die. And that yeah. that concept in my brain is just can't process 
you know, why would they do that? I mean, yeah, I mean, I know why they're doing it. So I, can't just, hey, I, I can't understand why they would do that, though. And it's uh, it's it's troublesome. But uh, that's I'm the, actually go ahead. Sorry, I'm actually going to throw a link into the chat. It's um, a report of publication to the IPSO, which is basically the news reporting company here. Um, if you find an article that you don't agree with or that you think is misleading the public, you can actually report that article. And newspapers, if the IPSO agrees, um, they will have to retract that story and the newspaper will have to issue a retraction. Nice, IPSO.co.uk. Yeah, so if anybody sees any articles and they think that, you know, it's being misleading or it's not being completely honest, there's the link. Report it. You can submit reports from anywhere in the world. It's good. Fantastic. I use it a lot. Fantastic. I also try to break it down on my blog today on Demosphere. I just made it a little bit simple to understand the con- you know, the concept of what this report was. Link to the report. And those little graphics that I thought that, that were very telling, the, the, the blue graphic, which I think is fantastic, and also the other stuff that was kind of hidden among the report – that didn't see a, a lot the, the, you know, the light of day. I wish more of that report had made it into the to the mainstream news instead of just the ninety five percent. Yeah, it would be very very beneficial to public health. But who am I to say? All right, uh, we've got time for one of my favorite segments: shoutouts. Shoutouts. Do you have any shoutouts? Did you want to do the one that we talked about Absolutely. earlier? Or should I do it? Absolutely. Shannon Sparkly Vapes on Twitter. She gets a shout out for being absolutely amazing and beautiful. Shannon Sparkly Vapes gets a shout out. Absolutely. <laughs> she's a big fan of the show and she's always a, a delight to interact with on Twitter. And, uh, and she's cute. I think you have a, a, a little crush on her. I do. Is that true? I'm going to I'm going to Texas to see her. Are you? Yeah. Uh, Russ is excited about that. All right. What else you got? <laughs> um, the other one I wanted to give a shout out to is more for in the chat. Um, thank you for being my hotel buddy when I got kicked out of Eight Fest. You are an absolute lifesaver and amazing. Thank you. You are an accomplice to a crime wanted in three countries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. One other one I have to do, and he's begged me to do it, is Fergus Mason for feeding his starving cat. You you fed the starving cat? <laughs> no, he fed his oh, starving he cat. Fed starving. Did we give him a shout out. All right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and the last one that I want to do, um, it's a kind of a, it's a combination of the New Nicotine Alliance here in the UK, but the New Nicotine Alliance also has another chapter that was started up in Australia um, by Dr. Attila Danko. I'm sure him. you've. Probably him. seen him or heard of him. He's in my top five man crushes. Yes, he is absolutely amazing. His speech that he gave at the Global Forum on nicotine, yep. I fell in love with him. Yeah! So, <laughs> oh, sorry. I was, yeah. that, was a, that was a premature shout-out. <laughs> That's what it was. My <laughs> wife complains about that all the time. Go ahead. Yeah, definitely for the new Nicotine Alliance, both in the UK and the, and the AU. And um, I've also heard that Canada is thinking about doing a new Nicotine Alliance as well, too. Please, Not Canada, sure on details, but I yes. think. Yes, Canada is doing a good job organizing with the CAV, the Canadian Vaping Association, CVA, I should say. Uh, or maybe I said it that wrong. But anyway, uh, the Canadian Vaping Association, they're doing a great job. Hopefully, we'll see a chapter of the Nicotine Alliance. I only have two brief shout-outs of this week. 
everybody that showed up out in California today. Uh, we expected that the outcome of this uh, fiasco hearing would be negative. However, you still took the time. Some of you, I think the Vapor Spot shut, shut down all their locations to take all their employees there. Uh, and, and all the owners, uh, all the business owners that took time out of their day to go down there in Sacramento and, and voice their opposition, you get a shout out. Yeah! And finally, how can I not give a shout out to the people that were involved in this study that was published today? I mean, you have to give them credit. Professors Ann McNeil and Peter Hijack and all their colleagues that work very hard on this report that is going to benefit not just England. It's going to benefit everybody that advocates for electronic cigarettes. You get a huge shout out. Yeah. All right. And now the, the sad news. We won't see you for a few weeks, right? Probably, I'm, you know, I think I'll be able to do next week's show, okay. but I'm not going to be able to do it in September. Okay. And maybe not half of October because I'm going to be going from New York to Montana and get getting situated back home again. So Okay. Well, we're going to miss you the times that you can't be here, but hopefully you get in and settled in and we'll have you here uh, on a regular yes. basis again. All right, Em, uh, yes. anything else that you want to add? No, I just wanted to uh, congratulate everybody in the UK for their achievement with the Public Health England today. You've been amazing all this time that I've been vaping, and thank you so much for having me in this country. Well, and that's it. I'm glad that you came unscathed, <laughs> that you didn't get arrested, <laughs> that you didn't get shot or stabbed. So hopefully you'll be a one piece when you come over to the other side of the pond. And have a wonderful uh, morning there now. Thank you, as always, for your input and your contribution to Smoke Free Radio. Thank you, Dimitri. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. All right, finally, uh, a little brief puppy rant. Now, if those of you that follow me, uh, this has absolutely nothing to do with vaping. However, those of you that follow me know my struggle for the past year trying to avoid the puppy for my daughters. Nine-year-old and almost a 13-year-old and my wife leading the charge, three females uh, in the house. We also have an outdoor cat, a, a female cat <laughs> called Fifi. Um, pressuring me to get them a puppy, right? And not any kind of puppy because I do suffer with allergies. So it has to be a specific puppy uh, that kind of breaks down into smaller, you know, uh, choices that we have. Uh, but they all kind of uh, agreed that they want to get a Maltese. Now, if you followed me, and I've talked about this in the past on Smoke Free Radio, I've been looking for this puppy for the last year. I'll call one person. They don't have him. They don't have a litter. They don't have this. We went to try to find something to rescue. That was We, we attended to the, the, the clinics and the pet smarts on the weekends. Just couldn't find anything. So I said, okay, well, we're going for vacation in Greece this summer. Let's kind of put the puppy on the back burner. So I thought, in my mind, that the puppy situation was over. Uh, but guess what? We get back from, from Greece and the puppy uh, conversation has started back up. Um, my wife sends me a message. She says, oh, I've had this place down here and in, in, in they're close by. They're, they're here where we live uh, in Georgia. Uh, call them up and see if they have any puppies. So I call them up and, I, and this, this guy that sounded like he just came right out of Andy Griffith. I mean, I don't know what kind of puppies they're raising, but uh, it, it, I could barely understand him. Right? I needed to have a, you know a redneck translator. But anyway, I call him up. They don't have any Maltese puppy. They only have Malti poos. Malti poos, right? So I look at the Malti poo. It's cute, whatever. So I message my wife and I said, "Well, they don't have any Maltese." I could barely understand the guy, but he has a Malti poo. Do you want a Malti poo? And she's like, "Oh, we don't want a Malti poo. It's got all curly hair and all kinds of stuff like that." And I was like, "Oh!" Inside, I was like, "Thank God." 
<laughs> and then she goes, oh, remember that lady that you called last year and she said that she didn't have any puppies and she might have some in October? Why don't you call her up and uh, and see if she, she has a litter? So I was like, okay, well, I'll call her up. I remember talking to this lady. But she said that, you know, she was looking around October, so I was like, oh, I'm going to buy some more time, a couple more months before October rolls around, and the puppy is born. It'll be another two, three months at least before she can sell it. We're going to start hitting some, you know, early summer. Time to go to Greece again. Oh, I'm... (laughs) I'm saved again. So I pick up the phone and I call the lady. And I said, uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking for to have any Maltese puppies. And she's just like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I have a boy and a girl. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> screwed. And I kind of think, I kind of think that my wife already knew that she had puppies. But anyway, I call her up and I say, well, guess what? They have puppies. We can go take a look at it, you know, tomorrow. My kids were spending the night over at some friend's house. So, you know. Figure it would be a nice little surprise. We go see the puppy. It's a small puppy. We paid eighteen hundred dollars for this puppy. I I should you know eighteen hundred dollars, eighteen Chris Benjamins to pick up this puppy, which was a little bit absurd to me. But whatever, it's my wife. It's my girls. Whatever they want, whatever makes them happy, reasonably. <laughs> even though some people would think that is an unreasonable number, um, but for a pure breed Maltese, eighteen hundred bucks. We pay that. Uh, I gotta admit. The, the, the puppy's pretty cute, okay? It's just a little baby. It's three, four months. It's had a couple of shots. Um, we pick up the puppy, and the only thing I can think of now is, you know, hey, we need to get you know, some food. We need to get it a crate. We need to get it a bed. We don't have any of all that. So we stop at PetSmart. I go inside. I'm in there for 10 minutes picking up some stuff. Next thing I know, I've dropped $300. $300 at PetSmart. <laughs> what the hell happened? <laughs> then we leave, and then my wife says, oh, this is cute. It's small. We can take it to Greece every year. You know, I'm going to ta- get a passport. <laughs> you get a passport for the dog? <laughs> and i got to pay a ticket for it on top of all that. Anyway, put the financial aside, all right? I explained to my kids and to my wife, this is your puppy. You need to take care of it. You need to train it. You need to take, you know, be careful with it and love it just like it's just a baby. It's coming in. So, guess the first thing that happens when the puppy comes in the house, uh, we put the puppy pads, which I bought at PetSmart, which, by the way, if you don't know, puppy pads uh, are expensive. They're a lot of money. They're more expensive than kids' diapers. How is that even possible for pets? So we pick up the we we pick up the uh, the puppy pads and my wife's got them laid all over the house. Right, there's one in the crate, there's one outside the crate, there's one next to the dining room table, there's one in the living room table. What does the little puppy do? It goes and it shits right on the hardware, right in between all the right in between all the puppy pads. And she looks at me, she's like, Lulu, don't. Do-. By the way, they named it Lulu, which I'm gonna get there in a little bit. But Lulu, what are you? I'm like, it's just the baby. She doesn't understand what you're saying. And I can see the frustration in my wife's face. And I told her, listen, you wanted this puppy. You go get that towel and you pick up that shit right now. <laughs> I am not picking up shit and I'm not cleaning up pee. Uh, by the way, speaking of pee, uh, when she when we let her in the house uh, later on, she was playing around and she was following me around. I thought it was pretty cute. And then she got really excited and she starts to tinkle. Not only does she tinkle, she steps in it afterwards and then she starts spreading it all over the hardware. And that is like... Like pee, paw prints all across the kitchen going through. We get to name it. The kids come home. They're really excited. They're whatever. You know, they're happy. We pick up the puppy. What are we going to name it? So I thought we were going to do a democratic process because I am Greek. And we, we are the birthplace of civilization and the birthplace of democracy. So I asked them to get a piece of paper, everybody in the household, including me, and write down three names 
that you want to give to the puppy. So I give one to my daughter, one to my other daughter, and one to my wife, and one for me. Here are my, here are my, here are my choices. Number one was Felicia, and that was suggested to me by Shy from Canada because she said, oh, it'd be cute because every time the the dog walks away, you can say, bye, Felicia. I I thought it was pretty funny. Whatever. Felicia. The second uh, was uh, was Sporty. Sporty means little seed because it's a tiny dog. Sporty, I thought it was cute. Sporty, you know, small, tiny, whatever. I thought it was cute. And then my third one was Pia, and Pia comes from a huge crush that I had at a young age uh, with Pia Zadora. Because I thought she was cute, like Pia. Small, short name. It's a good name for a dog. None of my choices were even considered. None of it. What were, what were the Greek philosophers thinking about democracy there? <laughs> How did I get fucked? I'm, I'm Greek. How did I get screwed in this deal? Anyway, they ended up naming the, uh, the dog Lulu because my wife and Maria, my oldest daughter, had Lulu both in the same paper. And that's how we ended up. We, we bypassed Chanel. Uh, my youngest daughter wanted to name it Chipotle, which <laughs> I thought it was cute. Chipotle was a cute name. Uh, uh, then she had Jazzy. Uh, then the, uh, Chanel, whatever. None of the names. <laughs> so not only do I have three women in the house, I have a, a female cat. Now, adding to my problems is another female, and I have to call her Lulu. Truth be told, she's cute. I'm starting to bond with her. I'm the only male in the house. She really takes to me. So I, I, I got a little bit of, of a dog crush with her. But but that doesn't change the fact that, as always, I will be outnumbered in this household. The smile on their faces, though, made everything worthwhile. That is my puppy rant. I will keep you posted on Lulu's adventures for the next year on the smoke-free episodes. As always, I want to thank my guests, Jamie Richards from the newly formed Massachusetts Smoke-Free Association. Uh, I want to thank Lorian Jolly. <laughs> Lorian Jolly from the new Nicotine Alliance and, of course, my co-host Meg. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Catch all the replays, soundcloud.com slash Live of all the shows here on the VP Live Network. Have a wonderful evening, and I will see you again next week. Let's get some jams going, right? Yeah, it's a special night tonight, so I've got some, uh, I've got some uh, really special stuff for you. Have a wonderful evening. <laughs>